Um, so part of what we're doing is just, I feel, I love how God connects all these things. Um, even as I did that, I'm going to share with you. As I was praying this morning, um, talking about Sunday school, I grew up in the church. Anyone else ever sing this little silly song? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. Anyone? Am I alone? I've got a couple hands. All right, good. I know I'm old. You're just revealing to me how old I am. All the old people in the room raise their hands with me. Thank you. Um, but I, I still have that childlike kid thing, right? Um, I love that. And but there was something about it when I did that prophetically this morning. I was just, it was kind of random, but I did. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, do it. So I did it. And even as I was just praying, I was done, I did this. There's something that God is doing here this morning. I just want to declare this and make it so you see it and are aware of it as well, not just myself. God is doing something this morning to bring his people together, to bring us where we are connected, where we're touching each other, where we're loving each other, where we can't live life without each other. There's something about us being brought into the body of Christ, being part of the fold, right? I love that David talks in Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, right? He's kind of talking all about this love relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, but the idea is David knows that he always had a flock. It wasn't David as a shepherd boy having, he was out in the fields with one sheep, right? I know we sing the song, he leaves the 99 to go after us, and that there's truth in all that. But the idea is the Lord is a shepherd of a flock. That you and I as sheep all throughout scripture, we need each other. We are not meant to have just a personal relationship with God on our own. We're meant to be in the fold and brought together. And so I just want to encourage you. You're in the right place this morning. I'm praying that you leave here having felt encouraged and loved that you know you belong in the body of Christ. So finally, I'll get to where we're going this morning. Um, last Sunday, I'll ask that scary question that I don't even someone will ask me. What did the pastor preach on last Sunday? If you ask me in the middle of the week, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know, what did I preach last Sunday? But we talked about being trimmed and transformed into purity. This idea that the Lord is holy, as we sang this morning, but he's calling us into a place that we need to be holy. We need to have a standard of holiness in our life that we're not just living like the rest of this world, that we see that we're called to a higher standard. And are we doing that? Are areas in our life that we're slack or we're not, we're not relax, lackadaisical, right? We talked about all that last Sunday. And then one of the verses I quoted to you was Romans 12, right? Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This idea that we're being trimmed and transformed. We are to be transformed. And so, um, lo and behold, I've been reading, I read all, all kinds of stuff I'm preparing for this Sunday, but I came back to this, Romans chapter 12. So if you want to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, that's where we're going. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, I'm reading from New King James, but I like them all. Um, so you can pick which translation. But actually, I'll quote you. I bet there's a lot of people in this room that have memorized Romans 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, right? Um, I've memorized it several times as a kid in Sunday school here. Um, but it says this, right? You can read it as long. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship, right? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So that's, I've read that, memorized that, I don't know how many times in my life. A lot of times. I read that again, and same similar thoughts came back to my mind. Thoughts that I've, I've thought all the time reading that, right? That my body, who I am, I'm responsible to worship the Lord. And there's things that I can do in my physical body to worship him. And those are all true statements that I've taught, been taught as a kid.
But for whatever reason, I don't know why I didn't make the deeper connection that as this passage keeps going on, he's not talking about just our own personal relationship with God, our own physical body. If we keep reading the passage, right, in verse, skip with me, Romans chapter 12, we'll come back. But in verse 5, is it? Four, four and five. Verse four, what does it say? For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. In this passage, he's talking about presenting the body, not my body, presenting the body that I fellowship with. The body of Christ, the local church, presenting the body of Christ holy and acceptable to God. I have a responsibility to be connected to the body of Christ, right? We are all individual members, and we all have different functions. We can read that. Uh, if you want to read more about that, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks a whole lot more about all the body of Christ and how we're all different body parts, and we need each other, right? The eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of you, right? That if we were all an eye, how do we go anywhere? How do we say anything, right? We all need each other, and those are important things. But I felt like the Lord is saying this morning that he wants us to take a responsibility to present the body of Christ as pleasing to him. That I'm responsible for you, not just because I'm the pastor, but because I'm part of the body. You are responsible for me. Even though I'm the pastor, you're part of the body. And you're responsible to present your pastor as pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. That there's a responsibility to steward this relationship we have within the body of Christ. So I love that. That's what verses 1 and 2, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love this idea of our mind. Uh, our verse for the, this year, 1 Peter 1.13, right? It says, be sober, right? This idea, uh, I, I took the, the Passion Translation, right? Prepare your hearts and minds for action. But in New King James, it says, be sober-minded. It says, gird your, the loins of your mind, be sober. Gird the loins of your mind, be sober. This idea that our mind, what we think matters. What I said at the end of worship, what we think about ourselves, that actually has the ability to transform us or cause us not to be transformed by God. The way we think about ourselves. The way I think about the body of Christ and you in this room, if I have negative thoughts and I have bitterness towards you, I am not presenting the body of Christ as pleasing, acceptable to God. I have to steward how I think about everyone in this room. And so I want to do that. I want to have a sober mind. I want to think what God thinks about you. I don't want to think about how you did something to offend me. That can be true. Maybe, you, maybe someone in this room did something to offend somebody else in this room. And I'm not saying that we don't just hide something, but I'm saying I'm not allowing that offense to not let me be an obedient man of God to his word. I'm still called, even if someone offended me, to present the entire body of Christ to the Lord as pleasing to him. So I'm responsible for those things. So let's keep reading. Verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you. I'll even stop there. I've received a whole lot of grace in my life. Grace is favor. I say it all the time. I'm God's favorite. And I think most of the time you get my heart, but I really quick want to say this. There are some of you that might see me as a Joseph in the family and you're like someone else in the family and you're like, oh, stupid Joseph is talking about how he's, he's dad's favorite again. And it's kind of like it rubs you the wrong way. I hope that somehow today that eliminates any thought in anyone's mind 
I'm not thinking when I say that I am any better than or more special than anyone else in this room. I'm just saying that when I spend time with my Papa God, I feel like I'm his favorite. I feel like, oh my goodness, nobody's got a life as good as mine, and I want you to have that same experience. I'm not saying, oh, you're less than because I just enjoy God and you don't. No, I'm saying I want to bring you as a pastor, as a shepherd, I want to bring you into a place where you feel the same way I do where you feel like you really are God's favorite, where you look at your life and you see the evidence of his goodness all over your life. Everywhere you look, like, oh man, God's good to me there, God's good to me there. Yes, are there difficulties, are there struggles in my life, in your life? Yes! I've had one person years ago, I think it was one of my first years, I was the lead pastor, nine years ago, I had a, a, a congregate come here and say, well, pastor, you don't know what it's like. Your life is perfect. And I was like, I didn't try to defend myself. I just listened and then heard and then prayed for them and blessed them. But they didn't get it. I don't up here. I, I want to make sure I'm sharing with you. My life is not always easy and perfect. There were some things that did, definitely did not go my way this last week. And I was like, ah. Oh. But I thanked God that I had a challenging word from Bill Johnson on Wednesday to do everything as unto the Lord. And so I was challenged. The moment something really bad happened to me, okay, I have to steward this in front of my two kids that are watching dad right now. I have to steward this situation as unto the Lord. How do I not complain or get frustrated? I'm going to do this as an act of worship. I'm going to deal with this difficulty and worship God with a smile on my face. There's something about it where I hope I stand up here and I always have a smile on my face. I always have the joy of the Lord. I always have the peace of God. Is it because everything is going good in my life? No. It's because I have this understanding. I have a sober mind. I'm able to take all these problems and then weigh them between all the grace that has been sowed in my life. I've received so much grace that I want to give grace away. I can only love because I've first been loved. You can only give grace to somebody else if you first receive grace. You can only be kind to somebody else if you've only first received the kindness of God in your life. You can't try to work yourself into a place of holiness to be pleasing to God. It's actually receiving first. And so I want you to receive grace. I love that phrase. Through the grace given to me, man, I look at my life, I've been given so much grace. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't, I didn't qualify it because I made all these right choices. It's just God is so good to me. And my eyes have been opened to see it. And I want somehow to give that to you, to everyone who is among you. I want everyone in this room to leave here knowing that God loves you. Knowing that God's grace is on your life, right? Not to think of himself more highly than not to think. But to think soberly, there's that sober word again. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And really quick, he's given something to everyone in this room. Sometimes we just think faith like, oh yes, we all, don't get tripped up on that. He's given to everyone something of value. Everyone in this room has value, has worth before God's eyes. I'm praying and believing that everyone's value in this room increases amongst everyone else's eyes today. And I gotta be really quick because I don't wanna keep preaching this whole way through because we've got like, time for other things. So I'm just gonna read it. We already read verse four and five. So verse six kind of goes to that one. We'll skip. Having then gifts, deferring according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Oh man, I can read the whole rest of the chapter, but I'm gonna stop. I have to stop. I don't want you to get tripped up on prophecy. I don't wanna do a whole teaching on prophecy this morning. But I want us 
to use. I love that it says there, it says, let us use them, right? In verse six, having different gifts and grace that is given to us, let us use them. That has been my heart's cry for this morning. Let us use the grace and the gifts and the faith and the, all the love that God has given us. Let us use them today. So that's why I'm going to try to stop preaching here. Because I want us to use these gifts. Prophecy, without, again, going to whole detail of this. In the New Testament, you'll often find that prophecy, the purpose of it is to build up, to edify, to encourage the body of Christ. In the Old Testament, you see that it was a prophet, someone that had an office, and they were the only ones that prophesied. Really, it was someone that heard words from God that they were to deliver that same message to the people. I'll use that as a definition that transfers over to the New Testament. God loves you, and he's going to speak to me how much he loves you, so I'm going to share with you how much God loves you. As simple as that. It doesn't have to be this. No one in this room has to have the office of a prophet to prophesy. In the Old Testament, Moses said, I wish everyone could prophesy. And Paul says it. And actually, oh, to get there, right? I told you 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body and how we all have different functions. Then it goes through all the different gifts of the Spirit. And then it says, let me tell you a more excellent way. And it leads into 1 Corinthians 13. And what is 1 Corinthians 13? What's that chapter called? The love chapter, right? All about love. I can have the gift of prophecy, but if my motive isn't to love on you, if my heart isn't towards affectionately wanting you to leave here, being built up and edified, all those words I say, even if they had truth behind them, they mean nothing. They accomplish nothing. They, they profit nothing. But if my desire is for you to feel loved, and I'm putting forth some type of effort to try to hear from God and say something that maybe God is saying, even if I get it wrong and I'm communicating love, you might be built up and edified. And I might be really bad at prophesying. But as long as I'm loving on you and you hear and feel that love, praise God, let's work with that. So I love that 1 Corinthians 12 says there are gifts. We should exercise them. 13 says we should be loving each other. That's the most excellent thing. That's the most important thing. Then chapter 14, verse 1, what does it say? Pursue love. That's our pursuit this morning. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 1. I won't go into all this teaching, but that's my heart this morning, is that we would pursue love, we would desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially that we'd be able to build up, edify, and encourage each other in this room. So are you willing to receive love this morning? Are you willing to give love this morning? Are you willing to receive gifts from the Holy Spirit this morning? Are you willing to give a gift from the Holy Spirit to somebody else in the room? Amen. All right. Okay, really quick. Because I feel like I, I got to create the atmosphere. And Daniel came perfect timing to play at the piano because that helps create, right, audibly the mood. It was already during worship if you didn't catch it. Nick had grabbed somebody two by two, and I saw a lot of you grab two by two. There was something about connecting ourselves to somebody else that I got you. Let's do this together. It was already, the Holy Spirit is weaving all this together. He wants us to do things together. I've been in awkward situations where I'm supposed to say something nice to somebody, and I'm like raking my brain to say something nice, and it's like, ah, awkward, awkward, awkward. Been there, I know what that feels like. I don't want that to happen in this room. But I'm believing that as each one of us 
attempt to be loving and kind to somebody else in the room, that maybe the Holy Spirit will give us something that's a little more inspired and not just surface level. I'm believing that before we leave this room in 10 minutes, there will be actually deep felt ministry that go, takes place. Is that making sense? I was thinking as I was praying over the service, I wanted to give an example. I'm gonna to take too much time doing this, but I'll try to do it as fast as I can. I was praying over different people and, I, and, and Mia Fowler came to my mind. And I was like, oh, I can just publicly tell her I love the way she worships God. She's all in. And I can just say, that's how I observe her. But to go a little further, Mia, when you worship, you're a leader. You don't have to have a stage. You don't have to have anyone looking at you. Even if nobody saw you in the room, you carry this presence of God that's so thick on you when you worship God. It, people don't realize it. I think sometimes I don't even realize it. Spiritually, you are creating an atmosphere. And as I was thinking about you and praying about you this morning, I just had more love towards you because I was thinking, oh man, I am so blessed to have Mia in my church. What did I do to deserve someone like her to join my church? Do you see how the Holy Spirit began to infuse a deeper love for someone that I just had this surface level appreciation? I liked watching her worship God. But as I began just praying over her, the Holy Spirit gave me a deeper love and appreciation for her. And I said, oh man, I'm so blessed to have Mia and my family. That's what I'm believing. Some of you, as you give love, as you give a prophetic word or encourage to somebody else, you're gonna receive the goodness of God. You're gonna receive that same attitude that, man, I have the best church in the world. And maybe you didn't receive one encouraging word. You just gave five encouraging words. But the Holy Spirit flips the script. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That you can be in a pew and the person next to you can get five prophetic words and you get nothing. But as long as you give a prophetic word, you're gonna leave here built up, encouraged and edified. I could go over a lot of you that I prayed over this morning that God was giving me words. And there's some of you that you would feel embarrassed if I did it publicly. And there's some of you that would feel honored I'm praying the Holy Spirit knows how to weave all that together the rest of this service. I know I'm fighting time, but I feel like I'm supposed to do this too. Uncle Bert, would you come all the way forward? I really could. I could do this to so many of you in this room. I and mean, we could just spend the next seven hours of me just going one at a one over you, but I know you probably don't want that. And I know the Holy Spirit can do so much more when you are the ministers. But I just, again, I want to keep creating the atmosphere, and I feel like I felt it when I did it over Mia. And I just want to do it over Uncle Bert. I call you Uncle Bert for a reason. Because you have served, you've done so much as a servant here, but you... I can spend the next hour telling everyone all the things you do to be a blessing to me personally and a blessing. To this. There is no one in this room that has served this church with more hours, with more sweat, with more blood, with more tears, that you are pastoral, even though you don't carry that title. You pray over people, you love on people, you encourage people. But Bert, you need to know this morning 
if you never did one more thing to bless us, just who you are carries so much value. If you never cleaned one thing, never fixed one thing, never organized, did anything to help us, I know you have the gift of help, but if you sat in a pew every single Sunday, every service, and did nothing else all week long, this church loves you. You are our uncle. We don't know what it would be like without you, not because you do so many things, but because of who you are. It's your character. It's what you bring into the room. You are affectionate. You are kind. You are generous. And it exudes in all that you do. And you need that to sink down deep into your heart this morning. These are not words just to make you feel good, Bert. These are words to give you a future and a hope. We love you. We love you. God is creating a culture of honor here, right now in this room. It's time to honor people. I could have wrote that in a car just to burn it would have blessed him. But there's something about doing it publicly that needed to happen today. There's something that needs to happen that comes out of your mouth to somebody else in the room today. Some instructions before we leave. I know like we're done with service, but I promise you we're not done. If you could fill this room and increase an atmosphere of honor, of encouragement and love, and don't leave this room until you know that you've impacted somebody else. Don't worry about yourself. You don't get to leave this room until you know you've impacted someone else in this room deeply. And if it begins to shift to just conversation and talking about life, can I encourage you? Keep having fun and enjoying that friendship out in the courtyard or invite them to your house for lunch or out to lunch. Keep having fun and enjoying fellowship. But in here, I'm wanting some ministry to take place. It's okay if I hear laughter. I'm not trying to be like, nothing but seriousness. I'm not wanting that. I just want, I want to create an atmosphere where it's actually ministry. Is that making sense? So with Uncle Bert still up here with me, would you put your hands in front of you and let's just pray over this last few moments of the service. God, we ask for the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts. That we would receive it, God. We would receive love for our brothers and sisters. That we would put it to use, Lord God. It wouldn't just be this affection that's in my heart, but it would come out and it would be demonstrated in a way that people feel loved in this room that nobody leaves this room without having been built up, edified, encouraged. So Holy Spirit, would you impart gifts that do just that, that build your church? Jesus, you said you would build your church. Would you do that today? Use us, do it in us, but do it through us. We are your vessels in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may need to sit there and pray about something. You already, some of you already know. Get up and go talk to somebody. Go love on one another. Don't leave this room until you love somebody. God bless you guys.